In 2012, those of us at Empower One, we took a step back in the ministry. And we put our hands out to God and opened them up and just asked Him, is there anything you want us to change? And as we sought His face that year, He gave us a vision, and it was a big one. If you keep the country of Sudan and South Sudan together, we think there's about 20 million people that have never heard Jesus' name. And so our vision and our mission is to be part of a movement that brings the gospel to those 20 million people. That's an overwhelming task. A task that only happens with leaders like our National Director David Kaya and men like John Monchol. John, for example, grew up in a traditional family in South Sudan. They honored their ancestors and they kept to their family's traditions that date back generations. He also grew up during a 23-year civil war that killed or displaced millions. That same war would lead to the Rebel Liberation Army abducting John when he was just 11 years old. After finding himself in a losing firefight, the Red Cross flew John to a refugee camp in Kenya. In the camp, he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. Soon after, he returned to South Sudan to help his people. Today, we partner with John and many other leaders like him who were grateful to walk alongside. He embodies our mission, which is to empower local leaders to know how to make a disciple of Jesus, who can then start a church and then lead that church to transform its community. And momentum is building as we see these leaders empower their disciples to reproduce this process. Leaders trained by Empower One have not only started churches, but they've started elementary schools, they've led medical clinics, they've launched farms and more. Now, they're leading this mission beyond South Sudan with work replicating to Uganda, Congo, and into the Islamic North of Darfur and Sudan. Today, we stand at a tipping point. After years of training leaders and refining our methods, we believe we're on the cusp of seeing God create a tidal wave of kingdom expansion. South Sudan is the newest country in the world, and it continues to struggle. However, we at Empower One are undaunted. With the help of folks like you, we've worked together to provide food, medicine, new schools, and of course, the good news of Jesus Christ during times of war, and distress. You know, we get to work with some amazing partners in a difficult environment. And so we're asking you to join what God's doing through Empower One here on the mission field. And there's three ways you can get involved. One, come with us. Come see this for yourself. Come walk alongside these great partners. Two, join our weekly prayer team. This is where we send you requests each week and you lift them up to the Father on the behalf of these wonderful partners and the work here on the field. And three, donate, give financially, help support what God is doing through Empower One. You know, we have one vision and it's a big one. We have one mission. We have one savior. We are Empower One.
thank the Lord so much. Thank you once again for being here. I bring greetings from the countries where I, we are planting churches and we are reaching the unreached people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The country of South Sudan, Sudan, Chad, and Uganda, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. They greeted you in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's America. In Africa, when we say that, the church goes, whoa, thank God, thank God, greetings from America. They celebrated greatly. In America, people are quiet, they don't. We are so grateful, thank you. I want to thank the Lord. It has been a while. But God kept us working. God kept us preaching and teaching and doing many other things. And I'm very grateful that God can give me this pulpit today to preach and to share the message and tell you the stories of what happened last year and this year. Before we start, let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear our loving Father, caring Father, good Lord, our infinite Father who holds time and who watches the beginning and the end. Father, Lord, you are the only one whom we worship. The love that you have bestowed upon us through your son Jesus Christ has shown us who you are. So, Father, we are grateful that today is a day, and today is the day that we need to hear from you, Father. Open our ears and open our hearts and enlighten our minds so that we may be able to serve you and be with your son Jesus Christ in his mission. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you, the church, for being our great partner in a mission. I am going to preach and I'm going to share from a book to another book, from another book to another book, and I'm not going to preach the same way your pastor preaches, but I'm going to tell you more stories and tell you more things from the scripture. And don't get tired and be with me. I pray that it will go well. I am going to teach you on a topic of joining Christ in his mission. Join Christ in his mission. And the mission of Christ is difficult, but it's worth it. Because he came to a world which didn't know him. And today I want to speak to you about him and joining him in his work. First of all, I want to thank this church for being our greatest partner and this church being with us at the very time when we were beginning, when we were weak, they stood with us and encouraged us and pushed us forward, not only in words, but also in financial help. They supported us from day one when I came here and spoke in this church. They also joined us in the greatest ministry. Yesterday I said, 
This was when I was here for the first time. 34 of your believers joined us in a mission and went to Africa. And they, that was the biggest team ever that has ever gone to visit us. And that is because of your love and your care for us. And you have participated with us greatly in the ministry, which I want to stand here on behalf of the churches, which have grown to five countries now. I want to say thank you. And I want to bless this with the word of Christ, which Paul spoke to the church in Thessalonica. If you can open with me to the first book of Thessalonica, we need to see how God, how Paul and Christ and the Holy Spirit being put together in only these five verses, bringing the triune of our God who lived his life in the life of mission and how Paul kept his heart at the time when he was in prison, when he was down in prison, but still God uses him to write the message of Jesus Christ to the churches which he planted and the churches which he lived for. And we see in verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, this is what he says. We thank, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Paul speaking from prison and speaking and saying this to the church in Thessalonica. And we also in South Sudan, we all the time think about how great God has lifted us and how great God has stood with us and carried us up and lifted us in the mission, to a difficult mission, but a mission which is worth it, because Christ is a Christ of mission. Christ is a Christ of mission, and Paul, being his follower, was one of the mission. And you, in this church, have not sat and kept quiet, and not even turned your back to mission. You participated physically, you spent time with us in those places, your pastor came, this time, and we were there, going heart to heart, looking for souls, checking out who God will call, and we spent time together, and that was what we in Africa could not forget. At all time, when we sit down, remember those days, it brings freshness to us, and here is what in verse 3 it says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, the labor of love and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and our Father. God has kept us together, this partnership of this church and our churches, both in the, all in the five countries, God decided to keep our hearts together to fulfill his great commission. God kept our heart together to fulfill his calling and make sure that we do it. And we do this because of something that we need not forget. To remember something, it keeps us knitted together. Without ceasing. That means we are not stopping. The church didn't stop in Thessalonica, and even Paul did not stop. Because this was the church. The Thessalonican church was the church that helped Paul in prison. And it is the same church which Paul also spoke about in prison and told them that I cannot stop remembering how good was when I was with you. And here are three things. The work of faith. Because of the work of faith, we have seen that faith is looking forward 
Faith is not looking behind. Faith is looking forward and believing that there are better things which are coming in the future. There are better things which are coming in the future and better things which Christ is bringing and giving to the church. And Paul says, that has happened in the church in Thessalonica. And the same thing I'm saying, that has also happened with this church where now you are not blocked by this building. You are seen outside. And we and most of the souls which have been saved in those places become an example of what God has done. When we were there, we preach and we teach. And most of the rebels who, who came and left the army and they came to the refugee camp, they got converted. But most of the time when we preach, most of them, their heads are down. They don't want to look up. Because they have done nasty things. They have done bad things. They have killed people. They have looted people. They have done wrong things. And they still feel like they are not accepted and they bow down their heads. But what we have seen is, we have seen many rebels who got involved, who got converted. And now even they are involved in the mission of Christ and preaching. After a month when we, I went back, the guys we led to Christ, they will join me and they are the one telling about Jesus Christ. They are the one preaching the message of Christ. That's mean the message which we preach here has turned the hearts which were taken away by the enemy. God turned them today and become tools for Christ. And because of this, we cannot stop in saying thanks to this church. And the mission which God has called you for, we cannot stop that. The labor of your love is why you go. It's not cheap to live there. It's hard. You know, here inside, I'm feeling cold. Thank God that I came with the court. In Africa, we preach. You sweat, but we don't sweat in Africa because that is our home. We feel good. And uh, it's a work of faith. Many people, they go and sweat, but still they go back. We have seen people going back again, and they could not stop. And they are here in this church. Every year they go back because of the love which they have for the people in Africa. Not only Africa, the whole world. And here is what the Bible says. Even percentage of hope because the people who are there, they are hopefully waiting. Living in Africa, particularly in South Sudan and Sudan, is one of the most difficult places to live in. But God, who is God, has kept people watching and hoping that one day it will be fine. They know that one day it will be over, and one day it will be done. And in this, we have realized that what you people have done, you have not done it because of your personal making. You did it because Christ who lived in you and the Spirit of God which lived in you and because of your calling, in verse 4, look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, knowing beloved, knowing, beloved brother, you are election by God. You have not called yourself. You did not make anything to save your life. It is for by grace we have been saved. It, there's nothing that we have done. There's nothing that has made you to even become part of this church. It is God who has called you. It is God who has called us to be in that side of the world and to do what we are doing. We are doing it not because that we want to do it. It is because of God's election. He has called us to fulfill his mission. And that's why Christ wants us to join him in his mission. And when Christ called us, 
we cannot resist. Even the rebels are now preaching the name of Jesus. Those murderers who killed people are now sitting in the abundant grace of Christ, and Christ is seen in them. And what I want to tell the church, I want to say, you have done great things beyond what you know. Because what you have planted has multiplied. The churches which we planted has gone to the seventh generation. We have planted churches to seventh generation. And all this is because of the strong partnership in, with this church in the mission of Christ, which Christ has called us unto. In verse 5, the Bible says, For our gospel did not come to you in words only. Paul told the church in Thessalonica that his gospel, the gospel which he preached, did not only go in words, but in deeds. Because many of the members of this church have been participating physically. It's not easy to sit in a plane for all those hours, but most of you decided to take those steps and took that long flight and remained seated in the plane, hoping that you'll reach there and hoping you'll come back. And you came back. He says, it's not only in words. But God did a lot of things through our partnership. And through all this, that you have participated in the calling of Christ. Which God has given you by his election, by calling you out among many. There are many people in the streets who have not known the joy of being saved. But you are seated here because God has called you to do something in his mission. He called you to do something in his mission and said it did not come only in words. But also it came in power. Now some of these guys whom we have seen them coming and preaching and now they are preaching and leading people to Christ. If it is not that the word of Christ has power to convert and to change and to move the stones which have been blocking our heart, the darkness, particularly in my country, it's the power of God in his own word that he has put here. And also in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's God always want to see things happen. Last year at this time, I was here. I asked you people to pray. Because our members, we, have lost, we lost three of our members. And those three members of ours who died because of believing in Christ, and many of them were put in prison. Thank God, before I came back, I just want to report back to you that the president, there was a revolution in, in Sudan, and the president who put all our guys in prison, today he is the one in prison, and the guys who are in prison, they have been released, and this is possible because of your prayer. We prayed. And we prayed by faith, trusting that God will do it. I ask you earnestly, please do not forget, some of them may be sentenced to death. They did not die. They lived in prison. They suffered in prison. They were there for many, many, many months. But out of that, God changed the situation. God opened up a window for the message to go in. And now, the one who put him, all these guys in prison, he is the one in prison because we prayed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we prayed in a geographical location, we think that, oh God, are you really there? Are you hearing my prayer? Let me confirm this. 
that God have heard the prayers of this church. And God did it. And we have seen the example of our guys who were imprisoned, joining back their family. And they were thanking God for all that. And when they came back, they were not discouraged. Look at the following verse. It says, the message did not come only in words, but also in power and in the, in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Most of these pastors who were put in prison, some of them came back paralyzed. They were in prison in a situation of a treason. They were put, their hands were tied and kept in a very small house in a desert where some, the temperature could go to 120 plus. And in the evening, most of the time, afternoons, the police come and chase people. Get in, go in, do not stay on the sun. It's bad. Chase these people in, but still, our guys are in prison in the house. One of them came back paralyzed. We thought that he would be telling us that I'm done with the Christ. But he came back paralyzed and still smiling. We FaceTime together, and this guy was like, I'm ready. I'm not afraid. I don't fear anymore. If it is a prison, I'm ready to go back again. I am ready to go back again, but I will keep on preaching. And in this point, the Bible says, the message of Jesus Christ also came in much assurance, much assurance that these people are still having faith in Christ of trusting beyond the power of imprisonment, the power of beating, the power of torture, where they were tortured for Christ's name and still they could not relent. And their faith moved forward and they are assured of what God is going to do. Because of one thing, Paul says, you know what kind of people we were like, what kind of a person I am like, I am also now in prison. Paul was in prison and he died in prison. What about us who are here today? As the church of Christ, we need to stand and we need to pray and we need to remember those who are hurting because of trusting Jesus Christ. Here in America, when you give your life to Christ, good environment, people come and give you a hug and tells you thank you. But in our country, and in Sudan and South Sudan, in some parts of the country, you cannot do that. Before you accept Jesus Christ, you trust that you put the shirt on your neck. And believe that at any time, you will die because of trusting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And the Bible says, the mission of Christ is clear. Jesus Christ has set a clear mission, and the clear mission of Jesus Christ is it's not going to be easy, it's going to be difficult if you join him in his mission. If you remove fear and start doing what Christ intends you to do and fulfill, it's going to be difficult. Turn with me. In a, in a Baptist world, I'm a pastor of Baptist too. We preach in one text and we exhaust it properly. Today I don't want to do that. And I know people will say, oh, why are you giving us all these verses? We don't, have some, we don't have the time. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 16. The gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 1. The mission of Christ is clear. And it is clear not because he is promising us material gain. Promising us things 
which we should earn. He's promising us a difficult situation which many of our people have gone through. He's saying this is what is going to happen. Our leader who is in Chad, he started leading many people to Christ. And after leading all the guys to Christ, some of them were accepted at home, but seven of our believers who are in Chad, they are not accepted at home because they are they have faced in the Islamic world, they call it it's apostasy, refusing the teaching of the Quran. It is an apostasy. So the only thing is, the father is supposed to take a stone first and throw the stone at the son. Then the rest of the people will kill. Otherwise, the father dies before the son dies. How comes that you can allow your son to fall and refuse to be part of the doctrine which they believe saves. So now, three of our guys, they don't have home. Seven of our guys, they don't have home. They don't have houses to sleep in. They don't have families that are disconnected and excommunicated among their relatives. They have lost all their friends. They are destitute. Those who could not find, they start moving from town to town just looking for avenues where people don't know them so that they can melt into the community. <clears throat> but here is what we see. Seven of them are living at our compound. We feed them, we protect them, and they are there with us. They don't have a home. And Jesus Christ told us about this. That is going to happen. Just because of accepting Jesus Christ. He said it's going to happen. And in verse 1 he says, This thing I have spoken to you, that you should, not, you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of synagogue. Out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming when whosoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. They think that they are doing this. They are serving the Lord. When they do this, they feel that they are serving the Lord. And even up to this, they go and pray five times a day. They think that they are serving the Lord while they kill those who belong to Christ. And they excommunicate them from their homes. Instead of having a home, they don't have homes. And the Bible says, let us not think that this is something which is strength. It's going to happen. Our leader... A pastor who is in Maban is called up the Razik Ahmed. And his team went back and they started five churches in a very difficult environment. Very difficult environment. And when they started those five churches, one of the pastors who, who, who is pastoring one of the church, his father-in-law heard that this son-in-law of yours is pastoring a church. He came and said, I don't want an infidel to have anything to do with my daughter. So the only thing is, I'm taking away your daughter, my daughter, picked the daughter plus the children and took the children away. Not knowing what he has taken. The daughter went obeying the father. That is obedience, disobedient in obedience. And he just decided to go. She went and sat down and start telling the father the scripture, the stories of the Bible, 
And after that, the father God saved. And when the father God saved, the father came back with the daughter this year, brought the daughter back and say, brother, my son, here is your wife. I have understood, and from now onward, I'm a Christian. I am also following Jesus Christ. So have back your family. Stay with your family. I have nothing to do. That's how powerful God can change things. And God did it. The family has been united. They are together. Sometimes when you take a Christian, take Christian, you take the word of God. And he thought that he's taking the daughter. He took the word of God. And afterward, the word of God changed him, and he became a Christian. And we believe that his family will also become Christians too. I want you to turn with me to the book of First John, First Peter, sorry, First Peter, if you can please. Chapter four. Chapter four. Verse 12 and 13. God, the Bible says, suffering must be accepted. Suffering must be accepted and it is also costly. You must have to accept suffering and know that it is costly. In verse 12, beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the furious trial which is to try you, as though some strange things happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with the exceeding joy. Our Christians, when we read this, when we get preachers, always we want to be encouraged. When we get preachers, we always tell them, brother, teach us. And these are the topics that we share. Teach us about suffering. We want to hear something fresh. And most Americans will go like, hey, I wish you were the one to teach us suffering, not you, not us. We don't know about suffering. The Bible didn't say that there is any part of the world where we shouldn't know suffering. It's here in the scripture. It's part of this. And it's part of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Long suffering. It's not short suffering. It's a long suffering. It will happen to you, whether here or there. It's going to come. If it has not come, it's going to come. So we need to learn about it. So the suffering must be accepted when things are difficult. Because it may touch you physically. It may be illness. It may be anything. We need to accept it that things will happen, but not change our stand with Christ. It shouldn't change our stand with Christ because we have seen many people who have come to the Lord because of that. One of our leaders called me and said, Pastor, pray with me. My son is hurting and my son is sick. Suffering from malaria, that is the disease which is tormenting us. Malaria is suffering, I'm suffering. Please help me if you can send me 10,000. In Ugandan ceiling, it is $3, three, two point something dollars. Send me, please, my son is dying. I was like, 
okay, let me do it. Before I could do it, he called me back and said, Pastor, my 17-year-old guy's child has already gone because he could not afford. Living in the refugee camp is hurting. It's difficult. We have been sifting. We want to settle and use our hands and work. But we are fed like children. And now here is a grown-up person who could work but has nowhere to work because of being in a political situation where our people are helpless and cannot help themselves. This child died. But still, what we are rejoicing so much is saying, let us not think that these are strange things. These are not strange. It's to happen. And it has happened. And it says, what is our joy? Our joy is but rejoice. It is painful. Suffering is painful. And when it's paining, it's not a fun. It's paining. And it says, rejoice to the extent. Rejoice to the extent that we are partakers of Christ's suffering. Not because we are bad. Our pastors in Sudan, they were beaten all the time. I was speaking to one of the Mabanese who preached the gospel and he, with the Angasana guy. He's called Warta. Warta said, the ministry that Empower One you are involved in is not a cheap one. And he pulled out his shirt and said, I live as a Christian in Sudan for many years. But here are the signs of my suffering. And his back has cars all and everywhere. And he said, anytime I preach, I say the name of Jesus Christ, I get beatings. And these are the signs. And don't think that it is strange. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So when we lose our dear ones, when we are in prison, when we suffer, it is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same thing happened to Paul. The same thing happened to all generations of Christianity. And we have seen many of the Christians suffering. And in all this, it says that what keeps us accepting the pain and not relenting is because we have a hope that one day when Christ will be revealed, we also shall have that exceeding joy which will not be taken away, which will never disappear from us. And that is the hope of the church of Christ everywhere in the world that one day when we shall be done here on earth, we shall have that joy of Christ and we will not suffer through all what we are going through. And that's what also happened to our churches. And our churches are hoping that it will be so. And when I went for the burial of that 17-year-old child, I stood there the pastor was hurting. I felt disappointed because if I could have sent the money properly, maybe it could have saved that child. But his life is not saved. And I felt like, oh my God, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have done something. But the child went to the Lord. And during the burial, after I preached, 
I was feeling that the father is going to break down and he is not going to have strength to stand at the time. The father stood up and said, he need to say some few words to us. And he opened to 2 Corinthians, please, if you can go with me. He opened to 2 Corinthians. And when he opened to 2 Corinthians, here are the words which he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, 16 and this is what he said. He read to the church. He says, therefore, we do not lose a heart, even though our out man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And when this word was read, I felt like this, for us, we raise leaders quickly and we put the leaders into the field so that they can start preaching. And we put this pastor three years ago. He was harvested from the field and we put him back to the field three years ago. He went through our seminary and we put him back to, the, to be preaching. And even if it is me, I cannot stand and remember such a kind of verse in the time when it is hurting. But he stood there and read this verse. And when he read this verse, I was like, oh my God, thank you. That you can strengthen those who are hurting and you can give them hope in time of pain. And he went ahead and says, for our light affliction, which is but a moment, for a moment, is working for us for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hmm. It's just for a moment, right? It's just for a moment. Everything that we hold is just for a moment. What I have is just for a moment and we are going to let them go, right? They will all, we are not going to take anything. The same words of Job. Naked I come, naked I will go. Glory be to the Father. And still, he went ahead and said, in verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for what things... For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. As long as we live in this tent, everything that we have is temporary. All the things that we have, they are temporary. They, are, they may be distracting us from seeing Christ clearly, but they are all temporary. What is not temporary are the things which are not seen which our eyes could not see and our hands cannot touch. And when I heard all this, I thank my Lord that the fruit and the fruits of the work and how we got involved in the mission of Christ together with your church, with many other churches here in America, and we took the gospel, brought people to Christ, and now the people we brought to Christ are the one preaching, even in times where it is hurting still they will look to God and say, let the word of God take its course, regardless whether it pains. And I was like, God, thank you. This is the maturity which everybody wants to see. Let us not, not lose heart, even though it is hurting. Let us not lose heart. And I prayed and said, God, thank you. And that day, everybody was consoled and comforted because of his word, and today also, all of us need to be comforted that it may come, it's this world, it's the same world, and it's the same Christ, 
and we need to worship Christ. And the last word which I need to speak is, in our place, we have the bad news, but all this suffering help us. People are open in their hearts. They are open in their heart, and the gospel is being heard as a solution to all this suffering. I went for a graduation in the Upper Nile, the oil-rich area, and when I was there, I preached. Over 3,000 people came to, to for the graduation of 12 people. I was like, what? How can you all come for this? I thought it was a simple thing. The commissioner came in, the guys of the police, the army, and everybody came in. I was like, what is going on? They all came, and they sat, and they listened. In Africa, we preach for hours. Nobody leaves because they want to hear. In America, you preach, and people go like, Pastor, it is already time. <laughs> Pardon me, because I'm from Africa. <laughs> I can still preach for more hours. And by the time I finished, as a Baptist pastor, I invited people to the Lord, and all the man came, all the man whom nobody could expect that he could be touched by the power of the word and by the Holy Spirit and get converted. He came and knelt down in a dusty place where many people will not even touch the ground. He knelt down and he started sobbing and crying. And after that, we kept on calling people over 400. 412 guys were registered that day. They gave their life to Christ. All this pain has turned the people's heart to see Christ because there's no obstruction. What they see is Christ. What they see, their hope is in Christ. Their swearing is Christ. Their love is only for Christ. And what they think is only Christ. That will be the solution. Our politicians fail us. We don't have rest. Everybody failed us. And we live on handouts. The only hope that one day it will be done. And we shall have rest. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When I preach about that in South Sudan, I tell them that today you can cry today. But do not leave crying today, tomorrow. Pick your joy back. Rejoice. Pick your joy back. The same thing in America. Today you may be bad, but keep your joy in Christ. The only one who can make us happy here on earth is Christ. And this is the mission that we need to all join Christ in his mission. And his mission is difficult, it is costly, but his mission is also clear that we need to join it. Whatsoever comes, if it is pain, we need to take it because it is here in the scripture. God be with you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Yeah, we have heard your, your word very clear this morning. That you have called us into a mission. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. God, you never promised us that following you would be easy. But you did promise us that you would be with us. And you did promise us that our hope is not in vain. 
that there's a greater day that lies ahead. Father, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know the hope of Christ. I pray that they've heard very clearly here this morning that all the things that we tend to hope in, they cannot bring lasting joy. They cannot bring eternal peace. There's only one true hope, only one salvation, and his name is Christ. And I pray if there's anybody that doesn't know you today, they would come to you. They would trust in you. Lord, I pray that all of us, by the means of your word today, our hearts have been aligned with yours. As we've been reminded that whatever we're going through today, it is light and it is momentary in comparison with the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. So I pray with the author of Hebrews, all of us today, we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.